0: Michael, uh, I got a text from him today asking what the scripture was going to be tonight because tonight was an extra singing, so we'll just do a, a short talk, I promise, and um, uh, he asked me the scripture, and I was, oh, I got so excited because the Bengals had just lost, and so as I'm typing the scripture tonight is, I was going to write Bengals chapter one, verse two, because they're one and two, that's, that's their record, they've only won one game, they've lost two, that's, cl- that's clever, right, come on. It died in my hands. I was like, no. I was like, oh, so there's, you got the joke. All right. So the scripture was not Bangles 1 2, but they still are 1 and 2. But um, that's for you too, Kenny, wherever Kenny is. <laughs> All right, I want to share with you tonight, by way of encouragement, um, a way to think about engaging God's Word. Um, we take song nights like tonight, and we. Uh, use them, hopefully, to encourage our hearts, to preach the gospel to ourselves in a way that is um, not just through the intellect or through the ears um, or through the eyes, but also as we absorb songs and we reflect on what we're singing, we hope that it drives the gospel deeper into us. There's a way of engaging God and his word that um, sometimes doesn't really get touched much or talked about much that I want to share with you tonight, and that way is meditation. Meditation. The Bible actually talks a lot about meditating on God's Word. And for a lot of different reasons, we haven't really exposed and talked about biblical meditation very much. Most likely because the word meditation has been um, used by a lot of Eastern religions. And uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, makes us stay away from it. Now, when I say meditation, how many of you, you know, chuckle in your mind a little bit and think about, you know, the person doing yoga or, you know, shoes off and, you know, humming, uh, chanting the same word over and over. Are you all familiar with those forms of meditation? Uh, those all come from Eastern religions, a lot of different religions, but the, the overall objective of Eastern religion meditation is not the filling of one's mind, but the emptying of one's mind. Uh, peace is found through dispelling the things that are on your mind, So, so the goal of Eastern meditation all that it's different forms is how do I empty my mind the second goal of Eastern meditation is to make yourself available for a unique special revelation from the divine that wouldn't be available to you through intellectual activities so that's a mouthful to say this you go into a meditative state where you hum chant a word Go into silence, you know, um, sit in weird positions or whatever you do, in the hopes that whatever divine spirit bigger than you being you believe in will bring to you information that is not available in any other context, in any other place. That, that that's the that's the objective of Eastern meditation. It's both the emptying of the mind to find peace and the filling of the mind that comes from unique special revelation that is not available to anybody else and then also not available in other places as it's revealed. So you can understand why Christians, when they start talking about you need to go home tonight or tomorrow before you start today and I want you to meditate, that's what I want you to do. And if I just said that to you tonight, I might leave you with a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. Well, biblical meditation is almost the exact opposite of Eastern meditation. Its goal is not to empty the mind, but to fill the mind with God's revealed word. And its goal is not to receive a unique, special revelation or message from the divine that is not available in other places. Its goal is to actually um, believe and apply what you say you believe about Scripture. That's the idea of it. So. uh, best way i can describe it christian meditation is the process by which you and i engage with god's word so that we might think about it reflect upon it dwell upon it so that it drives itself the 18 inches south from the brain to the heart and it's in biblical meditation where we hold ourselves accountable to ask ourselves do we really believe and live out and obey the things that we say we believe That's where it happens in meditation. We'll see some examples of how David does it. There are three really simple movements in meditation. I shouldn't use the word movements because that might confuse you. There are three aspects of meditation. The first one is this: that you think out what you believe. Step one. Think out what you believe. Now, this is why Bible reading and Bible study is really important. Because you can't actually meditate the way that God wants you to meditate without knowing his word. You know, every time the Bible says meditate, it is always attached to the law of God, the word of God, the statutes of God. It's not detached from those, it's attached to those. And so our reading of God's word, our study of God's word, and then asking ourselves, what do we know about God's word? What do we think about God's word? What do we understand from God's word? That's the very beginning point of being able to meditate on the law of God or the word of God. You've got to know his word. So step one is thinking out of what you believe. Step two is driving in what you think. So that this is the step where you begin to wrestle with yourself. You begin to become a little bit uh, where you challenge yourself, where you hold yourself accountable um, to say, okay, I believe intellectually that God is sovereign, that he rules over the world. And that all things, now because of the resurrection of Jesus, all things, whether it's my suffering or whether it's my blessing, all things will work together for the good purpose of God that he might make in me the kind of person he wants me to be. That, that, that's a biblical belief. And most of you in here, I'm guessing, hold to some degree of belief of that, that I agree that God is the sovereign. The second step of meditation is this. Do you live out of that belief? Do you have the kind of life that reflects a person who believes that God is sovereign and all things work out for good to those who love him? And here's how you begin to wrestle with yourself. You ask yourself questions like, what does it look like to believe that God is in control? And you remember scriptures like Jesus said, your father in heaven knows what you need. Why do you what? What's the W word? Why do you worry? How many of you this past week worried a lot? Do you see what I'm getting at? Biblical meditation is the, is moving from I studied the word that tells me God is sovereign to I'm meditating on it and ask myself, but do I really believe in my day-to-day life that he is in control and he will work out things all for the good of what is good for my life? Do I really believe that? And you reflect on your past week or your past day or whatever and you begin to wrestle with that and ask yourself, is this true? And then the third step So you think out what you believe, you wrestle or drive in what you believe, you begin to ask yourself serious questions about that, and then you pray up what you believe. Think out, drive in, pray up. And when you begin, so if you go through this process and you begin to say, okay, I believe, I I see from scripture that God is sovereign, and you ask yourself, have I really lived out obedience to this belief? Do I really, really hold on to this truth? And then you move into the third part which is prayer which can be your gratitude God I'm so thankful for this truth that you have alleviated me of weeks and months of worry and fretting and anxiety because I can believe this truth or you work yourself into repentance God this past week I have really forgotten this truth I intellectually agree with it and when I hear it said I say amen to it in my mind but I have not gone from here to here and really believed it this week and so I ask for your forgiveness, I ask you to help me, and please help me to, to live this week as if I really believe that you are in control. Does that make sense? Does that, see how that works? This is a whole um, deeper way of engaging God's word, his scripture. A couple points I want to make about um, uh, meditation, just, just to kind of continue to clarify for you to try to encourage you to engage this. First of all, meditation from God's word is rational. It's rational. Uh, Look in Psalm 103. Let me give you a couple examples. Psalms has a lot of examples of biblical meditation. Psalm 103. Listen to verse 1 and 2. That's going to be the theme tonight, Mike. 1 and 2. 1 and 2. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, look what David's doing. First of all, who is David talking to in this text? You notice, who's he talking to? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not his benefits. Who is David talking to? Himself. Study is God talking to you. Prayer is you talking to God. Meditation is you talking to you about what's true about God. And David is reasoning with himself. He is using logic with himself. He is pausing for a moment and saying, there's nothing in me right now that's really blessing God, that's honoring God. What have I forgotten? Because a person that knows who God is, he knows in his mind, naturally wants to love and and bless and honor God. So he's telling himself in verse one, Soul, You should be blessing God. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. And look how he begins to do this. He reasons with himself. Meditation is logical. Forget not all of his benefits. He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life. He crowns you with love and mercy. Satisfies you with good. Do you see what David's doing? He's reasoning with his own self to remember why he should praise God. And so if you were to walk through this, you would see that David thinks a person, a soul, should praise and bless God. That's number one. Number two, he's wrestling with it and saying, but I'm not. And he begins to work into himself all the things of God. So number one, meditation is rational. It's thinking logically with yourself over truths that God has revealed to us in Scripture. Number two, meditation is intentional. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says that this person who is blessed by God, if you read with Mike, he says um, this person who, uh, he, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, meaning he intentionally chooses time to meditate. He doesn't just flippantly do it, he redeems moments in time. And So I want to encourage you on a very practical level, you have a lot of windows of time. That if you'll get up in the morning or you'll find maybe before you go to bed some time to read scripture and you learn something from god you learn a truth from god or you're reminded of something of true true that is true about god for the next day in your windows of opportunity where you have 15 minute break between meetings or you're driving 20 minutes you can grab some of that time and practice meditation meaning This is true, God. Am I living it? How do I live it? What would it look like if I lived this fuller, if I believed this more? You can begin to do that because meditation is intentional. The third one I want to tell you is in Psalm 42. Meditation is fierce. Meditation is fierce. Let's look in Psalm 42. Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the Hermon and Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. I mean, he's just feeling overwhelmed with God. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Sometimes it's kind of hard to really, uh, you know, in a setting like this where you hear that passage for the, maybe the first time right now, hearing it cross your ears, to wrestle with this, but David is being incredibly fierce with himself. He, again, he's talking again to himself. You know, this is not a, a word that he's saying directly to God. He's saying to himself, verse 5, Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then he says to himself, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. David, in this moment, the reason I call meditation fierce, is because he is having the utmost integrity with his beliefs. He's holding himself accountable. What he's saying is, I believe that God is the God of my salvation. I believe that he saves me. I believe that he delivers me. But I'm not hoping in God. And so in his meditation, he's saying, I am, in my beliefs, being inconsistent. I'm saying I believe this, but I'm not living with hope in God. Therefore, I'm inconsistent. And he's holding himself accountable. So meditation is rational. Meditation is intentional it's you have to do it and meditation is fierce so i want to encourage you um i hope that it's helped you somewhat uh, if you have more questions about how to engage god's word this way I'd be more than happy to help you because ultimately i believe that when we practice this we'll find that meditation is incredibly transformational transformational because when you really think seriously about what you believe that you don't just take for granted that you just know some things about god you've done enough good works or good things that God is happy with you and then you can just go on your merry way with life but you really get serious about what God wants out of us what he wants for us and you begin to hold yourself accountable between what you say you believe and how you actually day to day, Tuesday at 4 o'clock Thursday at 8 o'clock how you actually live meditation is the place where you take what you say you believe and you plant those seeds deep into your soul so that you begin to experience what it looks like to live a life full of belief. That's really what Jesus Christ came to do was to change our beliefs. Sin has caused us to believe the wrong thing about God, that he's not really out for our best good. It's caused us to believe the wrong thing about ourselves, that if we make ourselves the center of our universe, we'll have a great life. That, that's, that's the overall problem with humanity is that they believe that we are smart enough on our own and we should be autonomous all to ourselves. And if we do that, we'll have joy. So sin has lied to us about God. It has lied to us about ourselves and we we'll find joy. And it's left us in a place where we would be spiritually bankrupt. And what Jesus Christ came to do in his life was to give us, not just uh, uh, to let us off the hook or a ticket to eternal life, but he came to give us a new set of beliefs based upon reality that tell us the ultimate reality of who God is, that he is loving and merciful, but also holy and just. And that if we go at God on our own, the truth that Jesus tells us about ourselves that we can't measure up, you won't make it. And so the truth that he reveals to you finally, not just about God and about us, but he reveals truth about himself. And that even though God is holy and just and he upholds his standard, And even though you can't, if you approach God on your own, measure up, the third truth that he tells you about himself is this, that in me you can become right with God, and in me you can have a new life, and in me you can, I will begin to reform your false beliefs with true beliefs, and out of new, out of new and true beliefs, you'll begin to have what the Bible calls life. That's why Jesus says, unless you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. So I want to encourage you to engage God's word in meditation so that you will have what God wants us to have, natural outflowing obedience to what's true about him so that we can become the very people he wants us to be. If you need help with that tonight, we're always available, but most certainly right now as we stand and sing.